0: Welcome to the Mile High Five Podcast. My name is Carl Jensen and I'm here with my podcast partner,
1: Doug Cunnington.
0: How's it going today, man? It's going pretty good. I had a lot of excitement in my life yesterday. One of these happens to fit right into here and I swear I wrote this before this happened, we'll get to that. It was a, I had kind of a waterfall in my basement, which is could sound like a really good thing or a really bad thing in my case. It was a really bad thing, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. But anyway, I made one trip to Home Depot and two trips to Lowe's to try to sort this out. And on my trip to Home Depot, I'm driving there, and there's cop cars everywhere, like probably five of them in an animal control vehicle. I'm like, holy shit, what's going on here? Like the whole... Longmont Police Force is is right here. Someone must have done something very bad. And I look up, and there's a huge bear running across the road. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's one of those things where you, you don't want to believe your mind. Like, that's a dog. Nope, that's an actual bear. That's a black bear. And it's the biggest bear, I've black bear, I've ever seen in my life. I, I saw a grizzly once in Montana. And that was bigger. But this was like right there. There's a bear like 50 feet away from me. Just... Running across the road. And I, I actually felt kind of bad for the bear because it's like a million cops trying to, I don't know what they were going to do to it. I assume they're going to try to stun it, maybe capture it and drop it back off in the, in the mountains and away from the garbage it was probably trying to get at. But uh yeah, bear, I don't know where you are now, but I, I hope you're doing okay, big guy yeah. or girl.
1: I know. its uh I haven't seen a bear around here or... Well, actually not anywhere that I've lived specifically, like in the neighborhood or anything, but
0: yeah, they are, they're around, they're Yeah, around. Bears, mountain lions. I've never seen one of those. I don't think I want to either. Whew. Yeah. Mountain lion. That would absolutely freak me. I don't even like cats that much. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen a mountain lion dog or? No. in real life? Okay.
1: No, no. I've seen uh, some bobcats and uh I think... On my Alaska trip, I think there was a lynx that I saw, like on the side of the road as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, no mountain lion, and yeah, that would freak me out, especially if I was out, you know, hiking alone or something like that.
0: Yeah, mountain lions are kind of weird. You mentioned the, the cat thing and all mountain lion, it's like a super sized cat that lives outside full time, right? Yeah, and yeah, I couldn't
1: couldn't imagine they walk around silent and a normal house cat. I'm a, I'm a dog person, so I'm sorry for the people that I'm about to offend, but yeah, I mean, cats
0: are just, they're kind of mean. They, they, they don't like me that much. <laughs> I don't think cats like anyone that much. Yeah. So what, what have you been up to Doug?
1: Man, it's been, um, it's been fun. I've been brewing a lot more beer and I've been focusing on lower gravity beers. Cause I know, you know, we, we went out for beers, uh, few weeks back and, you know, we, we will share beers and get things for each other occasionally. And it's really easy to go to a bar and everything is 7% or higher. Sometimes the, the beers that we want to try, they're like 12%. And that kind of wrecks your day. You can't have that many of those. And it's just a little too much. So I've been focusing on 4% beers or so, and you could drink a couple more of them. They still have a lot of flavor, and it's starting to get warm here. It's actually very hot in Longmont these days. This week is supposed to be in the 90s for most of the week. And when it's hot, a cold beer is nice. And if you're drinking a 10%er, you're going to have a rough time. And I know that from experience. So these 4% beers are going to be very welcome. And um, yeah, I'm excited to get some of them on tap.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to try one, Doug. One other thing I've noticed about the lower alcohol beers is a lot of them just taste really good. It's some breweries aren't successful. It's hard to hide a lot of alcohol in a beer. So if you've got an 8 or 10% that can alter the taste of the beer, but 4%, a lot of those are probably the better, best tasting beers I've ever had. I'm sure yours will be one too, Doug. No pressure. Thanks. Yeah. I think they're going to be all right. They're pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so today we're talking about some life hacks, and I know some people get—they just have a reaction when
0: they when it's like, "Oh, yeah, we have some life hacks for you." So,
1: how do you how do you feel about life hacks?
0: <laughs> they kind of—they well, they annoy me because they've become all the rage. I don't need to hear another podcaster. I, I like Tim Ferriss, but I don't need to hear another. What your morning routine is? Well, that that stuff has value, but it becomes redundant and I question how much value some of it has because some of it is kind of specific to the person. What works for you might not work really well for someone else. But And this episode is going to be what we found, so some of what we say might not work. But uh, I'm, I'm looking at my list here and a lot of these came from just wanting to become a better person. So a lot of life hacks are about trying to make your time more efficient and, or make your life more efficient. And there's a lot of value around that. Uh, But I want to become a resilient person who's confident and good around other people. So that's where my life hacks are coming from. Doug, your list might be. Yeah. Doug. So Doug, your list is going to be a little bit different.
1: Mine's, I guess, centered on laziness in a lot of ways. (laughs) When I, when I peel it back, I'm like, I just don't want to be hassled. And, I phrase them so that they look like productivity, but really I'm lazy and I don't want to be hassled. So, and I have a feeling that you're probably the same way, right? You don't want to be hassled. And I mean, you don't, we don't seem lazy because we are productive people, but I mean, if you had the chance, right, you're just going to sit around a little bit and You want to be lazy? I don't know. Maybe it's just me.
0: Yeah, well, there's a fine line between lazy and using your time efficiently because if you use your time efficiently, you have more opportunity to be lazy. And I don't know what the definition of lazy is. Like I don't really watch any TV, so lazy to me is probably uh, going into the pool. We happen to have a house with a pool, which is nice now that the hot weather is here, or being able to read some brainless fiction or maybe just being able to take a walk. So that's... My definition of lazy, but by being more efficient with my time, I have more of an opportunity to that. I don't know if you're at home watching I Love Lucy reruns. Is that your definition of lazy, Doug? I don't know what kind of TV you think I watch, but uh, not I Love Lucy.
1: But we actually watch quite a bit of uh, like streaming stuff. So I'm surprised and I thought, oh, I'd feel bad for watching so much, but it's enjoyable. It's a way to sort of tune out. And I do appreciate the sort of – I try to make myself feel better by saying it's sort of a cultural reference um, for certain things. And, you know, there's some storytelling. I also try and trick myself and say, hey, I'm going to learn how to tell stories better by watching, you know, dumb TV shows, which yeah. may or may not help. I don't know.
0: No, no. I think you just hit on a, a good point And it might have just left my head before I even got it out. But, yeah, I guess that's kind of the, what – noisy about some of these life hacks some of them make it seem like you have to use every moment of your life like trying to optimize this so you can do this so you can build this business or so you can do this and this and squeeze every minute out of the day but there's nothing wrong with trying to be more efficient so you can watch some fucking TV show we've yeah. been watching like shit's creek so we do watch TV we don't watch no TV we're not, we're not one of those people who say, oh, I don't have a TV in my house. So we do watch it, just probably not as much yeah. as most people. And I enjoy it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I guess before we get into it, I think I realized when I was researching and thinking about what my, quote, life hacks are, <laughs> we sound stupid just saying it, but yeah, what my life hacks are, they're, I, I spent a lot of time working in the corporate world and like building a business at the same time, burning the candle at both ends and, you know, I'm going to get into some of this stuff, but working really, really hard. And I am now at a spot where I can relax a little bit. And we talk about efficiency and squeezing out productivity. And uh, you were just on vacation not too long ago. You should be relaxing. You don't need to be efficient if you're on vacation You don't need to squeeze out all the uh, waste or anything like that. You should just relax and not be stressed out. Like, that's a good way to approach it. And if you come in, and I'm guilty of this, right? You accidentally plan so much on your vacation that you are busy and stressed out running around trying to figure out like how you're going to get to the next place, and you're running behind and you're late because there's so many different variables you can't control. And I've slowly realized, hey, why don't we build in like two to three days or sixty percent slack in your schedule while on vacation? Because when you're on vacation, you're not trying to be productive. But I accidentally did that probably for years. So, have you done that? Are you familiar yeah. with this phenomenon?
0: Oh my God, dog! This uh, this speaks to my heart. And Mindy, if she was here, she'd be uh, she'd be giving you a hug now because that's how I used to be. I'd have every minute of our stupid vacation planned okay on this day we're going to wake up at this time and go do this this and this and it was really a suboptimal way to have a vacation you feel more exhausted when you're done and some of the best parts of life are the random ridiculous things that come to you and i've got a story to go along with this like doug you're not going to based on your comments about cats um uh cat people you can send doug the hate mail but Doug loves all creatures. He just loves dogs more. Dogs more. Doug, dog. Wow. Uh, This could get confusing. So we were wandering around Long Beach, just on a walk to nowhere in particular. And we look in the window and there's like a million cats in this one like storefront. Like what the hell is going on with that place? And it turns out it's a cat cafe. Have, Have you heard of these things, Doug? No. Okay. So (laughs) it's a, it's a business where all they do is they have a shitload of cats and a shitload of boxes of shit. But anyway, they have a shitload of cats in this thing and you pay an hourly rate to go in there (laughs) and just hang out with the cats. Uh, Now, Doug, I know this wouldn't appeal to you and it did not appeal to me, but my girls went crazy over it. Their eyes just lit up like, can we go to this? Can we go to this? Can we go to this? And Mindy being the kind trooper that she is, she is said, oh, Carl, you don't have to go to this. I'll 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 go to this with the girls. I'll I'll take this hit for the team. So she did, but that random and it was probably the highlight, especially of my youngest daughter's vacation. She remembers all their names and and is still telling me about them to this day. Like I wonder what happened to Francis the Cat or whatever the hell the thing's name was. But, yeah, just a random thing, and that never would have happened if we just weren't randomly walking around Long Beach. So, shout out to Feline Time Cat Cafe or – I don't remember. Sorry. Leave your uh, (laughs) – someone will remember. it. Man, it sounds like a cat
1: strip club. They're like, hey, Trixie (laughs) on the main stage, you know, show
0: some love. (laughs) Doug, it's kind of funny you mention that because one of the rules was do not touch the cats unless they – they come to you, so yeah, lots of parallels there. I I did not make that connection, but yeah, could, man, could that's you, cool. Doug.
1: I have a couple names for the place, but that that I won't even mention. I know we have the little explicit tag, but I don't even think I should say the names of the
0: I cat strip clubs. I, so I know did, where did they wear
1: stuff. Uh, did they have little
0: hats or costumes or anything? Nope, just like our, our real stuff, strip club. <laughs> the uh, the cats were not wearing any clothes, and they did have holes in there for the cats to climb. Oh, that's a lots of <laughs> lots of parallels. That is funny. Yeah. What, what do they call it? It's like the cat um towers or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're called. Yeah, the, the funny thing was there were some grouchy ass cats too. Like there were some that would like that according to the girls' stories that would hiss at you, yeah, like paying money to be hissed at by this. I'm sure the cat had a hard life or it was just having yeah. you know? A bad day. They worked They worked too long in the... What was the name of the place? Feline something? I think it was Feline Time or Time for Felines. <laughs> oh, God. And, and the girls have since discovered that they have a... Uh, there's another example of this business in Denver. So we might be headed down there, Doug, if you'd like to, to join us. Oh, that's cool. It, it's in the downtown area.
1: I've been to that one. You have? Oh, you're talking the cat place. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. okay. Oh, man. The
1: Diamond Club, I, I think that's it.
0: Okay. If if the cat place, and I am talking about the feline version, had alcohol, I might go in there. But I, I don't know, I get kind of allergic to cats too, so that's my excuse. Okay, cool. All right, well, that was an odd
1: tangent. Thanks for bringing that up. What are we talking about again?
0: Doug, I think we were supposed <laughs> to be talking about... Life cat, no life hacks, not life cats. Okay, we got it here
1: now. Let's open it up. I'm going to send it to you, Carl, for
0: your first one. Yeah, and so these are this, these first two are going to be around manipulating people, and that sounds kind of ominous and evil. I sound like, did you ever have to read Machiavelli when you were in college or high school or any of that? I was in the remedial English classes, so no. Okay, so it was a pretty good book. This, uh, Machiavelli guy wrote a book called the prince and the whole thing was about how to manipulate people. But I guess in here, the ends is important. His, he wrote it to attain power. So he wanted to manipulate people so you can rise in society and become a person of power, which I have zero interest in doing my first two life life hacks come from a position of just wanting better relationships and to fit in better. I think for a lot of my life, i lacked confidence and I don't know maybe I'm slightly on the spectrum I didn't know how to relate to people so my first one is and this actually came from a a conversation with Alan Donegan a long time ago I met him back in November of 2017 and he's an awesome public speaker he's the best public speaker you'll ever see in your life and I was talking about public speaking with him and he's like hey you should give it a try I'm like okay Alan what tips do you have for me and there's all the stupid public speaking tips, like imagine your audience naked. Have you ever heard these? I think they're all stupid and none of them really work for me, but he gave me the best tip and it was that your audience is a reflection of you. So if you go up on stage and you're all nervous and shaky, the audience is going to be nervous and shaky. And you're just going to build on each other and it's going to be a shitty time for everyone there, for you and the audience. But if you go up there confident, happy, if you tell jokes, the audience is going to be a reflection of that too so i i did give a talk and i i completely noticed that i'm like wow that's true i get up there and open with a joke or two and it really resonates and the whole thing becomes a lot more fun but then when i realized and this is like the longest introduction to my life hack ever is that this works on a personal level too if you go up to people and your posture is poor and you're not making good eye contact which i still struggle with doug (laughs) (laughs) um it reflects on people and people don't really want to, to talk to you. Uh, so what I eventually came to is even if you're not confident, act like you are fake it till you make it. Cause people are going to react to you different. They're going to accept as the wrong word, but they're going to respect you and they're going to want to be your friend. If you emulate confidence and there's a fin- fine line between being confident and being an asshole. So don't cross that line. You have to be open to other people's opinions and be like that. But just, uh, yeah, look look people in the eye, stand up straight, uh, be able to make good conversation, be confident. And you'll see this quickly does make you more confident because people react better to you and then you think better of yourself. So, yeah, be, be confident even if you aren't. Do you have any tips for people that they want to –
1: try to act more confident, even if they're not there yet. So do you, did you notice anything when you were first making that transition that helped you out?
0: Yeah. I think one of the things I used to mess up all the time is I would, I would try a little bit too hard. Uh, So you have to be, I don't like self-promotion and I don't like talking about myself much, but I found the most confident people and the people who do it best, really have a good balance where they'll ask the other person uh, deep, insightful questions about themselves and make the other person feel good. But they're not afraid to volunteer information about themselves and talk about themselves for even a couple minutes. And again, there's a fine line between you meet assholes who can talk about themselves for hours. You don't want to become that person, but just becoming good at conversation and not being too patronizing to someone I think was the main thing I had to get over. And just like the eye contact thing is very important. The posture, uh, remembering details about people, which uh, is another life hack that I'll get to for my next one. Very good. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I mean,
1: I don't know if you still struggle with it, but yeah, with the confidence coming up, you know, through high school, I wasn't as handsome as I am now. Now I intimidate people. I mean, I think you were intimidated when I first met you. Because of my charming and uh, good looks and everything, right?
0: I could barely sit next to you right here, dog. It's just uh, <laughs> uncomfortable. It's like, a, like an aura coming off off of me, like, a, like an aroma. It's cold down here in your basement, <laughs> but I'm sweating a little bit right now. Just being near me. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, all, all this cat talk and then be near you.
1: And one of the risks with the very deep sarcasm is I don't even remember. I had a point to say. I don't even remember it at this point. No, but I I struggled with confidence as well. And even still, right? Like, I don't think it goes away necessarily. It's just like we have better coping mechanisms or we know once we get past the first introduction to maybe you're meeting someone that you really look up to, for example, and then once you get past a little bit, like we probably feel better, we know we're going to be okay, we've done it and failed a few times and then we know we're not going to spiral out of control or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone is struggling with confidence, especially if you're like meeting people that um, like you really, again, look up to, or maybe you followed them online or something like that. Cause I am I'm just imagining like conferences and stuff where you do meet people and it's like a s- sort of celebrity. So yeah, Be a little rough, especially if you're in a different situation, or let's say you're just like in a brand new spot where you don't know anyone either, where you have to like establish those early relationships. You don't have any friends or know anyone there, so it could be tough. It could be tough.
0: Yeah, you know, I've got one other quick thing to say about this. Sorry, Doug, but this came from the uh, the Tim Urban Wait But Why post about I think it's called Taming the Inner Mammoth or something like that, but. The truth is most people don't really give a shit about you. Most people are self-centered. So you're in there with a new conversation with someone and all you're worried about is what they're thinking about you. But the truth is they're probably not thinking about you. They're thinking the exact same thing. They're wondering what you're thinking about them. And once you realize that, it takes a lot of the pressure off. You realize that you're not the center of the world, that people don't give a shit about what you're doing. Everyone. He's even got a little cartoon on there where he said, this is what you're this is what you envision the world to be. And it's got a little stick figure guy in there and all these people are just staring at him. And then he's like what the world is really like. And the same stick figure guy is standing in the middle and everyone's looking at their phones. So when you know that it's, it's liberating unless you be more of your true authentic self and less self-conscious. So read that post. It's great. We'll put it in the show notes. Very good. Anything else with the the confidence angle? No, I want to hear about your first one, Doug.
1: So, mine is definitely in the productivity zone. My first couple are productivity related. So, I like many people don't love emails. I get a lot of emails, and I did, you know, with a corporate job. And batching your emails is a great way to just be a little bit more productive. One of the issues with constantly monitoring your email, or back when I had the corporate job, Outlook would be open and you're you know i would get probably between 100 and 200 emails a day most of them are you know no action needed some are automated emails but if you look at your email every time you get a new one you're interrupted constantly and you just can't get things done and with you know knowledge work or coding or the things that a lot of a lot of us are doing If you're distracted every few minutes, your productivity goes down and you feel busy all the time. In fact, I don't do a good job with this because it's very easy for me to just leave the inbox open because I do need to go back and like reference emails to do some of the work that I need to do, but I'll see a new email come in and just tend to it. It may only take a minute or two and there's different productivity methods where people will say, Hey, if it takes under two minutes, go ahead and do it Well, you're fucked. If you get a new thing every three or four minutes, if it takes 90 seconds, like that took up your whole day. Yep. Like the math doesn't work. And I think perhaps before emails, getting things done is from getting things done, which I haven't read the book, but I'm loosely familiar with the, um, with the concepts, but, if it takes under two minutes, but you, you're under a constant flow of that, it's not gonna work out. So anyway, batching emails is a great way to do it. And it's very helpful for me when I actually do it. This it's difficult to do, even if I know, and I'm giving the advice, hey, batch your emails is probably gonna help you out. You know, check your email every whatever, three hours or once a day or whatever works for your work schedule. But if, if you can do it, you will feel much better. You send out the emails a lot more quickly, and then you're able to do the probably much more important work that's not email related in those windows of time that you've, you know, you've built. You know, three hours
0: you can work straight without having to answer so many emails. So, Doug, I know you use a tool to help you out with it. Can you tell the audience what the tool is? I use uh, Boomerang called
1: Boomerang, and you can do a couple things. One, you can delay sending out an email, which uh, is helpful because sometimes you send out an email and then you may get one or two back. Let's say there's a few people on the thread and everyone replies back. So you send out one email and five minutes later, you have five additional emails. That's going to make you even more stressed out. So you can delay sending to, you know, a few hours later or overnight or something like that. You can also pause your inbox so it won't sync. And then you can do the work that you need to do, but you won't get those additional inputs or you can send out emails and you're not going to see the new ones come in, that sort of thing. There's a couple other options, but those are the the main things that I like with uh, boomerang.
0: Okay. How often, so do you set it to pause your emails and do you automate that? Like, do you just get emails like at noon and five or what is your routine? If you do do that and do you ever cheat on it? If you do that,
1: I am constantly cheating. So I don't use those functions enough and I, I literally am doing the opposite of the advice that I just gave. So part of it is like, I'm saying it out loud. So hopefully I'll do a better job. Okay. But ideally, yeah, it would be great. And this is what I did at work. I I wouldn't have my inbox sync all the time. I would schedule a time, say like 1130, like I'm going to check it out before lunch. So if I, if there's something urgent, I could take care of it. If not, I can check it out later. So I would, you know, maybe sync up at like 1130 and then like 330, something like that. Uh, For me, batching emails in the afternoon is great. Cause a lot of times it's just like quick responses. And I mean, it, that's another, another point. It's okay to have shorter responses. I think de- depending on where I was working or what I was doing and the context and all that, I would maybe write back much more thoughtful responses that were longer and a lot more, I don't know, just a lot more uh, context in there, but now, I've, a lot of times I'll reply back with uh, one or two sentences, like literally the minimum amount of writing that I could do and just like get an answer back and just like yeah get done with it.
0: Okay. I like what you said, that last part that resonates with me a little bit. I So, I've got the blog and sometimes readers will send me questions and sometimes I'd spend like an hour typing a response. It would be like this multi-paragraph thing. I rewrite it. I don't like errors. So, I reread the thing and send this to them. They'd ask me for my thoughts on index funds or stuff like that. I'd send this big, long thing back to him and I get a response back like three weeks later, like, thanks. We're like, really? So now what I do is I'm very short too. And then if I find someone is engaged and they really want the information and then maybe I'll spend the time doing that. But, uh, some new person that I don't know, like, no, I'm not going to take a ton of time. If I know they don't really care that much either.
1: So Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think that's a that's about it with emails. I mean, it's uh, whether you are working online or you, you have a corporate job, I mean, you may have some other obligations and constraints. And if you get an email from your boss, you probably need to reply back pretty quick. But I mean, I think if you can compartmentalize well and schedule it, then your productivity is probably going to go up.
0: Cool. What's the longest you've gone in like the last five years without checking email? Like, have you ever gone 24 hours without checking email? Uh, it's probably probably the 24, 36 hour
1: range, something like that. The road trip to Alaska from Colorado, we were driving through the middle of nowhere in Canada and you, you can get um, some cell phone signal and some data, but I didn't pay for a data plan. So I knew that that was going to force me to not be able to sync my email or anything. And then of course, even small motels will have some sort of Wi-Fi situation so I could sync up. But during that stretch, which was like a week up and a week down, I mean, I think there were probably 24 to 36. It could have been a little bit longer, but I mean, it, it was fantastic. It was so freeing. Yeah. What's the longest you've gone recently?
0: I don't think I've gone 24 hours in the past five years where well, very bad at it and i think as humans were bad about it i was thinking about a friend who's in hawaii now and he had he had an auto responder on saying yeah if i don't get a if you don't get a quick response from me it's because i'm out enjoying the island so i'll get back to you in the next couple weeks and then i got a response like five minutes after i sent it i'm like oh i wish i would have actually gotten the response a couple weeks later and who knows maybe it was just the timing of the whole thing, but it made me a little bit sad and I realized it's an issue with me too because I check it all the freaking time, probably less now than I used to, but still multiple times per day. And why do you need to do that? It's just a distraction. You get sucked down some rabbit hole that would be much more efficient to just batch it. Like you said. Yeah. And I think, so we have
1: some trips coming up. You and I are going to some conferences and stuff. And in fact, we're gonna be going to uh Austin for um FinCon. Yeah. And I have some other stuff in September. And I am pretty sure I'm gonna take September off. So that will actually be a time where I may revert back to what I did when I traveled to Alaska and give my VA my phone number and like, hey, you take care of anything. If uh something very bad happens, the servers, uh you know, meltdown or whatever, they catch on fire, you can give me a call and then I can work on some stuff. But otherwise it could be a great thing just to say, Hey, you know what? I'm, d- I'm not checking email. I am, uh, I'm taking a break from email. You'll hear back me back from me in a few weeks. Um, if it's important and if it's not, you may not hear back
0: from me, email me again in a couple weeks when I am back. Cool. And if you happen to be at FinCon in September, we'll probably have some mile high fi t-shirts. That's on my bucket list, and maybe that mesh tank top that we talked about too. The, the green oh, yeah. neon mesh tank top with your face on the front of it, Doug. Yeah, it's gonna be it, epic.
1: We—I I don't remember about my face being on the front of it, but we could work. We can work on it. I'm, maybe I'm, I'm in the front, you're in the back, or something. Yeah,
0: so, yeah something like that, or <laughs> both, depending on what option they want. And okay, that one would get negative takers, but. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to wear it around and people will say, Where did you get that shirt? I really want that. <laughs> I don't think there's any amount of money in the world I could be paid to wear something like that around. Actually, there is an amount, but it
1: would be significant at this point. All right. Well, we can take bids. So if anyone has a bid for seeing Carl in a mesh uh, tank, tank top, how short is it?
0: <laughs> I was thinking of like one that at least exposed your midriff, which. Oh, God, there's so many things wrong with that. Maybe we'll get these made and go to the cat cafe. <laughs> yeah,
1: we can, we can open our own cat cafe. It'll be, uh, it'll be dogs, though.
0: Or middle-aged dudes in Mesh tank tops.
1: I think it's a, a different place that you're thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So, again, what was this episode about? What, uh, what are we know. even talking about? Okay, so I'm, I'm kicking it over to you. Kicking it over to you for the next one.
0: Okay. So I'm going to go to my next one and I have to tell you a little story about this one too. So actually this story is much shorter, but you always meet people and you introduce yourself. And what a lot of people will say is, oh yeah, I'm I'm bad with names. This just happened to me last week actually. I met someone he's like, you yeah, know, I'm bad with names. I can't remember your name. What is it? And the truth dog, I might sound kind of snarky and mean here. Well, first all, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you bad with names dog or?
1: I am, I am not awesome these days. Just in general, I'm not awesome these days. And I'll let you finish your point, and I'll pepper on some other stuff. So not great these days.
0: Okay, so Doug, I'm going to say that you're you're a little bit full of shit, and I, I don't think anyone is really bad with names. It's just that we're not making the effort. We don't care enough to make the effort. And there's a a little bit of stress there. We're meeting someone new, and and there's that whole thing going. On, but I don't think anyone is really bad with names. They're just not making the effort to remember the name at the time they meet someone. So one of the things I've tried to do, and this came, I think it came from that. Do you ever read that Dale Carnegie book, out on Win Friends and Influence People? Mm-hmm. So one of the main points he makes in there is people want to feel important. And one of the ways to influence people and to make friends is to make them feel important. So I make a really good point to remember every name. So I'll go to a conference and I'll see someone that I met like two years ago, and, and they'll see me and they'll kind of be pointing at me and I'll be like, oh, hi there, Jill or Matt. They'll be like, wow, you re- remembered my name. Like, can you please remind me of, of what your name is? So that does two things for you. The first thing it does is it makes them feel important. They made that much of an impact on me that I remembered their name. And, and that's probably not true. I just remembered their face. Yeah, You know, usually I do remember stuff, but it makes them feel good. But the other thing it does is it kind of puts me in a little position of power. They're like, wow, he remembered my name and I don't remember his, so I feel a little bit bad about that. So it kind of makes the conversation a little bit easier and helps out with the confidence thing that I talked about in the last one. Now, how to actually remember names is a whole other um, thing. So what I usually do is after I meet someone, I try to repeat their name back and back and forth to myself uh, a couple times and maybe try to... Uh, you know, I play games with it. Like, I, I don't know. I probably didn't do this with you, Doug. And I'm trying to think of an a, example. I always think of, uh yeah, I, I should have thought about one and put it in the show notes. But I'll think of some kind of funny thing around the person's name. Not making fun of them, but just a way for me to remember them. So, I'll think of one before the show is over. So, re- remember names and call people by their name to make them feel important.
1: Awesome. I... I agree with you. I don't put in enough thought and effort. And like you said, people can remember names. And I think it can be challenging if you do come to a, say an event in and in a dinner where maybe everyone knows each other. And there's like 15 new people that is a lot of information to pull in. But I was going to say, we went to a little gathering over the weekend. I met, uh, I think eight new people. And I remembered all of them after I sat and talked with everyone for a few minutes. But if you asked me like right away, I maybe wouldn't have been able to recall all of them. However, back when I was uh younger, I, I didn't start drinking until I was probably like 20 or so. No, I didn't drink in high school or anything like that. I was a good kid. You know, it's a really good kid. Didn't drink. And then I would start, I was starting to go to parties. Like once I, graduated from high school. So I was going to places where people were uh, drinking quite a bit, but I, I wasn't. And I was just like, yeah, I don't drink. It's cool. And I was able to blow people away by remembering their names because I wasn't drunk or drinking. And I like really made an effort because if you're hanging around with a bunch of drunk people, what else are you going to do? And you're sober. So luckily I came over to the dark side, um, but perhaps that's why I don't remember names as well. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Got it. So Doug, I'm really curious to hear about your next one. I've got some thoughts around this. So,
1: Oh yeah. So again, this is pure productivity and I say, don't multitask. And in my old corporate job, it was sort of a a thing that people said all the time. We'd be on a call. Uh, we would ask a question and someone would say, Oh, can you repeat that? I'm multitasking. And we would say, uh, Sure. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and repeat the question. We would literally, they would sort of say it as kind of a badge of honor, sort of. And uh, it was very weird, very strange. And it got people out of paying attention. Sometimes it would be in two meetings at once, which makes no sense to me because they were just inefficient in both ways. What, What
0: was that, Doug? (laughs) exactly if if you're watching on video i want to grab my phone and looked at it (laughs) because the phone is the ultimate enemy of multitasking and probably one of the worst things ever invented it is um yeah it it was amazing and uh, other people will say yeah
1: i'm I'm multitasking and they they're feeling like they're getting more done and there's studies on this i'm not going to cite them specifically, but basically multitasking is one of the worst things you can do if you actually want to get something done. So sure, if you're driving, you can like listen to a podcast or listen to an audiobook. And there's some level of, you know, being able to do two things at once. But if you actually need to get something done, let's say you're coding, for example, or you're writing, or you need to solve some sort of a problem you really can't do two things at once. You can't be on a call and interact with uh, a meeting while you are writing an email, for example. You can't pay attention to both. I know people potentially are saying, oh, well, I can do it. And I call bullshit on that. I mean, if you really want to get something done, you really just have to focus on the one thing. Perhaps you can do two things at once and you can kind of do them okay, but as someone who now works for myself, I know that if I am really focusing and I'm creating a course and I'm writing the outline and I have to write a script, it's gonna take me like 10 times longer if I'm also bouncing around and like replying to emails while I'm trying to write the script. So I'm much better off to just block off the time. And I mean, the productivity difference and the amount that you get done is amazing. You feel better, you're not as stressed out. So if you think you can multitask, you can, I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you um, and go look at some of the studies on multitasking and, and sort of, I guess the proof that's out there that multitasking is one of the worst things you could do for, for productivity.
0: Yeah, it's so true, Doug. And it's not just for your productivity in the amount of time you spend, which will be more because you're distracted, but it's the quality of work too. If you're trying to do, you hit this a little bit. For me, I was thinking of when I'm trying to write something, if I'm distracted, you don't get into that really good state, which is rare and hard enough to get into in the first place. If you're distracted by anything, any chances of doing a really good quality job are just blowing out of the water because your mind goes to the email and then any thought you had, you're getting to someplace good and poof, it's all gone. Uh, that Cal Newport book, Deep Work, was had a lot of really good things to say about this and a whole other level is just how bad multitasking is for our brain and the uh, our ability to maintain an attention span. He was talking about social media and phones and all that. And he said, in the current modern age, just the ability to maintain a, a good solid attention span is going to set you ahead. <laughs> That's going to be a good life skill where two years ago, I remember I could go to the library and study organic chemistry for six hours and just, there were no phones, like no distractions. you get up to pee and maybe to eat and that was it. I don't think I could do that now because I've screwed up my brain with the phone. The, the one thing I would also say, and you hit it at this, is I think there are some really good times to do it, but it's when you're doing something stupid like if I'm mowing the lawn, I'll put on my noise-canceling headphones and listen to a podcast because why not just walk around with the lawnmower and do nothing where you can actually be doing something. But that's because one of the things you're doing is completely brainless and you can do it on autopilot it might be like driving a car down a highway too there's nothing wrong listening to an audiobook or or doing something like uh what else would you do in a car probably not that much else but there are certain examples for multitasking but no yeah not really anything meaningful is going to be accomplished uh, or no meaningful work is going to be successful if you're trying mm-hmm. to to multitask and you won't you won't probably be able to come up with
1: new original ideas. Not not that that's the goal constantly through your day, but I can tell you, uh, for example, I haven't been listening to podcasts as often when I want to have some time to think. So this morning, you know, I was preparing to chat with you today and I knew some things that we were going to talk about. And I intentionally didn't listen to an audio book, I didn't listen to another podcast or anything like that. I just walked around and let my mind wander and there's going to be another point coming in, uh, kind of related to this, but yeah, I wasn't trying to take in new inputs. So sure. I mean, if I have had new ideas while I'm listening to a podcast, but there's constantly like a flow of new information coming in, which I'm trying to process. And it really doesn't give your brain time to, you know, Uh, sort of stew in its own uh, juices to come up with your own ideas. So depending on what you're doing, you may want to zone out and not think about things and maybe listen to an audio book that tells a a story like fiction. And then you're not actively thinking about the problem you're trying to solve or new ideas or anything like that, which is kind of good. I think the subconscious, I'm going way further uh, beyond what I know what I'm talking about, but your brain is working in the background as you're thinking about the non or the fiction book that you're uh, listening to because you're listening to the story, you're getting into it. So anyway, this morning when I was walking around, knowing we were gonna do an episode, I thought, oh, you know what? I just wanna think about those a little bit. And I actually had so many other, life hacks that I thought of. So I have another list of you know 10 more that we can do in the future. So anyway, don't multitask. That's the point.
0: Yeah. There's a really good Stanford paper about this, how your brain is most creative when you're bored and when you're walking too, when you're doing some mindless activity. But we'll put a link to that in the show notes. All right. What's next for you? Uh, the next one for me is minimize your reliance on others. And I have, uh, as I alluded to in the introduction to this podcast, I have a good story to go around this that came up just yesterday. So Colorado is dry and aired and we probably shouldn't have lawns, but we do anyway. And we'll have sprinkler systems. So I went to turn mine on for the first time of the year and I could tell something wasn't working because I started hearing like ominous water sounds. And this is in my basement, by the way, it sounded kind of like a waterfall and I do not have waterfall in my basement there are no water features in my basement besides the toilet which isn't actually installed yet so anyway i'm like what the hell is going on here so i I peek around and there's water coming out through a light fixture in the ceiling like okay this can't be good I, i shut the water off i eventually figured out that a pipe had burst over the winter time and I was able to get everything fixed. It was a long, uh, semi-stressful day. I got to see the bear as a result of it, three trips to the big box stores. But the amazing thing was I was able to f- to diagnose this quickly. I was able to fix it quickly. Uh, and so going back to my point, I don't want to be reliant on other humans because if I would have had to wait for someone for one thing, it was a Sunday. no one's ever going to show up to my house. If they are, they're going to charge a fortune in Colorado where labor is super expensive to begin with. If I would have paid someone to do all the work I had to do, fixing a pipe and uh, fixing parts of this sprinkler system, it probably would have cost me at least 500 bucks. And I had to give up a couple hours. uh, The parts weren't that expensive. So I probably spent a couple hours and under $100 to get the whole thing fixed. And I've got the confidence that if something similar should go, um, AWOL in the future if I have a plumbing incident I'll be able to I'll be able to fix it I don't have to rely on other people and what I've had to it usually ends up in disappointment um, had a toilet clog up and the guy came out on a Sunday he's like this will be $500 and if I would have been thinking about it we could have just gone to a hotel and rented a router machine for like $75 and I could have done it myself so th- there's a lot of value in just trying to do as much as you can for yourself and there's a fine line here too because you shouldn't finish your basement if that's not the kind of work you do so maybe this is more of something for emergency situations if your car breaks down you should know how to change the tire if your washing machine breaks you should maybe know how to do basic diagnostic uh operations on it being able to use a multimeter is a uh, is a great life skill. God, I got it. And Harbor Freight will used to give you one. They'd give you their coupon in the newspaper yeah. and you get a free one and it works just fine. I've used that think probably 10 times to diagnose various crap in my life. Um, and I just used it like a month ago. And the great thing about all this is all these problems that can happen in your life is. There's always a YouTube video, so you don't even have to know anything. You don't even have to know what the hell a multimeter is. The only thing you have to know how to do is vaguely spell it, because even if you spell it incorrectly, Google will figure out what you're actually looking for and take you to the right video. It's just amazing that there's no reason why we can't try to do things our, ourselves. So because I was able to fix my situation, my, my grass won't die, although I almost wish it should, and I'll have saved probably about $400 from calling someone because uh, I know how to sweat copper, which isn't hard. There's a YouTube video for that. I was able to kill some mosquitoes with my blowtorch, which was kind of kind of fun and disturbing at the same time. But, yeah, be reliant. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of if I have any other good things in my show notes. I, I have done a lot of work in my own house and saved a lot of money. But, again, if you don't enjoy that type of thing, mm-hmm. maybe that's not for you. But you learn it every time you fix something. It makes you a little bit stronger and more resilient of a person.
1: hmm when you were telling your story and you said the water was coming out, the light fixture, it reminded me of the three stooges. Did you watch the three stooges when you were, I did. And well, they're crazy. Check out the three stooges, but I remember they were plumbers and they were just running pipe and they, they didn't know what they were doing. And, yeah, water started coming out of the light fixtures, so that's immediately what I thought of.
0: So, Doug is calling me one of the... I'm the fourth stooge, apparently, at this point. Or maybe the fifth one. I know there was a couple backup ones after uh, Curly died, right? Yeah. Shrimp, whatever his name was, but... Shimp. Yeah,
1: shimp. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good show. Solid solid storytelling. A lot of slapstick. I mean, it's cra- it is a crazy show. So... I, I think I've watched like all the episodes when I was a kid. It would come on like TBS or whatever I would watch it. Um, so okay, cool. I yeah, I'm not as uh, handy around the house, but yes, it is fantastic to try to figure things out and solve those problems, especially over the weekend. and when we had our house in Bozeman, we had um well, the house must have been located on top of a spring or something because. Our crawl space flooded every year. And whenever whenever the snow melt would come through, it would just I mean it almost got to our furnace down there. So I did I've figured out how to take out the dead sump pump, put in a new one, run the pipe. The diameter of the pipe was too small. So I figured out how to do some you know, simple things and like trudge around in the water down there, which saved who knows how much money, but it was, it was a rock. I mean, like I said, I think the little block we were on was a natural spring when they built uh, the house on top of a swamp or something like that. I mean, it was in a neighborhood. A lot of them were just on slab, but a few of the houses had crawl spaces. So anyone with a crawl space like flooded and people had hoses from their basement Like just uh, everyone flooded. There was
0: nothing you could do. Ugh. Yeah. Water issues suck. I've been there, done that. I've had brown trout in my own basement and I'm not talking about the fish. I'm talking about the uh, euphemism for poop. (laughs) Not not pleasant. Wow. Yeah. I was like
1: brown trout down there. All right. I didn't know that was the thing. I'm not a fisherman specifically. (laughs) Not the kind you want to eat. (laughs) All right. Is it back to me?
0: It is back to you. Let's hear about your next one, Doug.
1: So exercise. And I am not, I guess I'm not not training for anything. I was talking earlier um, about how I haven't been working out as as often or not lifting weights as much, but I pretty consistently, since I was probably in high school or college, have done some cardio and some, you know, light uh, weightlifting just in general. And I'm not, you know, trying to get really strong. I'm just trying to like get out. And it turns out I really enjoy it. It's just a habit of mine and every morning pretty much I wake up, walk a few miles with the dog. And you know, it could be like 2 or 3 and you know, if it's really terrible weather, I might not walk as far, but I'm at least getting a couple miles before I do any work and it's fantastic. I feel great. I live in an area that I enjoy and I've talked about it so many times, you know, I like seeing the mountains out there. So if I'm walking around and I'm outside, I feel good. I see the mountains. It makes me happy. So if you can exercise and make that part of your part of the morning, I think it's probably, you know, good in the morning, at least for me. But if, if you're not a morning person and maybe you want to work out a different time of day, that's cool. But I mean, there's obviously so many benefits from, you know, cardio, or lifting weights as we're getting older, our muscles are just deteriorating and you have to do a little bit more just to like maintain and not decline. So, and again, I'm I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not working out super hard. Occasionally I'll think, uh, maybe I should work out harder. Maybe I should run a little bit more or a little bit faster. But yeah, I'm just getting out there, maintaining and I eat horrible food. Uh, Honestly, I, I should eat much better and I drink a lot but I exercise enough to sort of offset it. And there's some other components in there, but exercising, do it, figure out what works for you. If you like to swim, you don't like to run, like just, even if you're just walking around, that's awesome. Like just walk. That'll work.
0: So you're saying if you cut out drinking, you could probably cut out your exercise too. Do you drink to exercise or exercise to drink? You know, chicken or egg thing. uh, I, I don't know. I think you, you hit on something that made me think, and you said you get up and walk the dog every day. And I think a lot of people are turned off from exercise because when they think of exercise, they see some guy deadlifting 500 pounds at the gym. I know, Doug, you can deadlift more than that, so but we're not here to brag. Or they see some people running marathons, but you don't have to do that. If you read, there's such benefit to just taking a really long brisk walk every day and that's it you don't have to do anything else and how many of us have dogs we have this guy in our neighborhood with a cat and i swear i've seen this in person he takes his cat for a walk not very brisk so you might want a a, a canine for your walking companion instead of the cats cats are the theme of the show maybe we'll have to do a cat show but <laughs> yeah just and be active it's so important too as you grow older not to sit on the couch every day but the muscle thing is very important too i think after you're 30 it's all Downhill, right? Like you what's it called? Circopenia, something like that, your loss of muscle with age. That sounds dirty. What's it called again? <laughs> I, I thought it was <laughs> circopenia, but I am probably butchering that. Peter Attia had a was talking about it with someone pretty recently, and he said that's the difference between LeBron James now and LeBron James of 10 years ago. It's nothing to do with cardio or his or, or anything else. It's everything to do with his loss of muscle mass.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know the exact stats, but yeah, like every year you're l- losing X percent. So it's like, just show up and, and do a little bit and yeah, again, figure out what works for you. And yeah, I mean, walking is fine. I talk about my Achilles injury and I used to run a lot more and I would love to run more, but I mean, that does beat up your body. Running is a little bit tougher on you and walking is just fine. And if you live in a place where there's some Hills, so we could go hike up mountains and stuff around here. And that's a great workout. Like you don't beat up your body quite as much and you're walking uphill. The air is a little thinner. Like it's a good workout. So.
0: Yeah. I didn't tell this Doug, but a group of us are planning to hike longs peak in September. So I know you've done that one before, but if you'd like to join us or if maybe any adventurous uh, listeners want to join us, it's a, that's a tough one. I'll respect you because you've done it and I have not, but uh, you got to train a little bit for that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? If I'm taking September off anyway, then I may as well try and hike it. So, yeah, yeah that'll be perfect time to go. It won't be uh, too hot. Maybe we won't have as many, like, thunderstorms during the day and all that. Yeah, so.
0: hopefully. I talked to a ranger and he said that's the best time to do it as far as afternoon thunderstorms. September. All right. Yeah, man. Cool. What's next? Let's see. It looks like it's back to me and mine is to be tenacious. And as usual, I have another story to go along with this. Yeah. I knew this one person growing up and this person was, was really smart and really witty, but lazy as all hell. And not the, the kind of lazy that, that we've talked about, but the lazy just wanted to not, not do much of anything and just get out of any work and do the least effort possible to skid through life. And uh, now this person's life is a wreck. It did not end well. And, but this person was smart. They had potential. They probably could have been anything. And then on the flip side, I've met people who maybe aren't super bright burning bulbs. They never could have been a surgeon no matter of how much they started. But, but they're tenacious and they can learn a little bit of information like how to fix up a house or how to how to buy a house in the first place and then acquire their next one. And these people are incredibly successful So, these thoughts led me down a little path, and I think my Google search was, is it more important to be smart or hardworking? And the study I found, we'll put this in the show notes too, is from the University of Wisconsin at Madison, and it's been a while since I've read this, but they said the conclusion was it's more important to be hardworking, and I don't remember what their metric of success for it was either, but it's kind of interesting and kind of obvious, because you can have all the brains in the world, but if you're not willing to leverage those brains, your, your, uh, born gift to, to do something with it. You're not going to go anywhere, but if you're hardworking and really tenacious and you can grind through a problem and and not give up and put time into it, and instead of watching TV, you're going to be fixing up houses or whatever you figured out is going to be your way to make money or whatever you want to do in life. It's, it's much more important. I think. What what do you
1: think, Doug? Definitely. I I was going to say, that i identify completely i take it you feel like you're a tenacious person right
0: yeah i'm tenacious i don't think i'm stupid but that's my main my ability to grind it out and i think even at my job there were times when i worked and people had given up on a problem and i'm like i'm gonna stay here until i figure this out if i was a better programmer they probably could have figured it out in 15 minutes but because i wasn't it took me four hours or whatever but The result is the same. I I got it done and no one else on my team did. And we didn't have any of those super smart guys. So my tenacity trumped the lack of effort for that. The other people were Mm -hmm. not willing, willing to
1: put in. Right. Yep. And I mean, that's me exactly. And I actually, I think I realized this probably in high school or early college. I was in some of the advanced honors classes or whatever, but most of my friends were in a, a couple more of those advanced classes. But thinking back to like the SATs, so they all scored. So this was back when the SATs were at a 1600. Now now there's like other scoring mechanisms, right? It's like 24, is it
0: 2400? I don't know. I haven't, I took the ACT, so.
1: You did? Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you. So for the SAT, you know, I was in, uh, Uh, my my peer group was probably like 10 people or so that i'm talking about here and they all scored uh between probably 1450 to 1600 so i think one of my friends missed like one question they they made like a 1580 or whatever really fucking smart you know i scored uh respectably uh like 1240 So it was like high enough to get into many schools. Again, this is back when it was out of 1600. So I I don't know the reference point for uh, the ACT because that's out of 30. Is that right?
0: I think it was out of 36. 36. Um, Yeah.
1: So what did you score?
0: I think I got a 30 on it. Um, I didn't apply myself in high school. I got a, like I was a BC student in high school. I never took even one honors class, but in college I got straight A's even with a, a difficult curriculum. And it's just because I worked again, it was hard work. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and I had, I had pretty good grades in high school. I had very good grades in high school and it was because I studied and tried harder and I wasn't as smart as you can imagine from the score. Like everyone scored higher on all the college entrance exams but i was still in the same classes i had better grades in some cases cuz i showed up i did every assignment did all the work and blah 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 and i and i see it in the work that i do now where you know i just i show up i'm very consistent and even when <laughs> even when the output isn't perfect i'm still showing up every day and grinding it out and yeah i've seen there's a book called grit i think it's by angela duckworth if i remember right and she talks about the power of the tenacity having grit showing up even when it's it's difficult and i think you know both of us are sort of revisiting some instruments i've been working on finger style guitar and i i we should have recorded me playing initially because it was like a child learning how to play i mean it was very slow and I had no coordination. And it's been about six weeks or so. And I can like run through a few, a few bars, uh, at full speed. And I can't believe I'm playing it. And and really just like six weeks ago, it sounded like garbage. Like it didn't sound like a melody because it was so slow. That's awesome. How many hours a day do you put into it or how much time? Oh gosh. I, I should have kept a little more track. I would say probably on average, it's only like 15, 20 minutes a day. Okay. And then some days I'll play a lot longer and like really put in like an hour. But it's very focused where I'm I'm sitting, you know, potentially down here. There's no other distractions. I'm not watching YouTube, not doing anything else, not multitasking. I'm just like running through these exercises or running through the bars of uh, the song and just really slowly until that muscle, muscle memory kicks in. But that is like the definition of grinding it out. Cause I know when I tried to learn things in the past, you try for the first couple of days, maybe a week, you make zero progress and you quit. Cause it's like, what's the point? You're making no progress, but somehow your brain like does pull together the synapses and then you you start making those connections. And then, like I said, I can't believe what I'm playing yeah. uh, right now. So
0: it's a virtuous feedback loop too. Right? you make a breakthrough, and then it makes you want to do it that much more. Like you're lifting weights, and you see a little bit of improvement, and then you want to lift more, right? So you just have to, yeah, push through the crap t- to get to the gold.
1: Yeah, it's. Um. And did you run into that uh, with the piano that you're doing right now?
0: Yeah. So right now, my the two things I'm really working on are piano and uh, and learning Spanish. And. Again, I should have tried to measure my Spanish skills a, a couple months ago because it, it's still difficult, but I can listen to a conversation and actually most of the time know what they're talking about. I probably could not respond back, but and the piano same thing you make some breakthroughs and you you work hard if you're if you suck at a certain spot, you just practice that over and over again and and I'm sure some of this has to do with muscle memory, but I probably took piano lessons for, I don't know, six or seven years as a kid. And after a couple of months, I'm better than I ever was as a kid. And it's a lot of that is due to where I was as a kid, but just the, the wanting to do it, the motivation, and just going in there instead of 30 minutes a day, I probably, there's some days I'll go at it for a couple hours, but it's neat to see the, the improvement in, in what you can do. I, I often wonder what our limits are, because I'm sure... All of us have limits, like you have some limit to the guitar and it's based on what your motor skills and I'll have some limit to the piano based on that. And learning a language, there's limits to that, although you don't have the physical aspects, but we've got our older brains to deal with and things like that. It's cool to kind of explore our limits and see what they are. I'm sure you're not anywhere near your guitar limit. You're not I. Ingvay, I'm sure I think of some good guitars. Ingve Malmsteen or Buckethead. you ever listen to that guy? was that oh, yeah, like yeah. a million notes a second. And you, you probably never be, you will be, and I'll never be Chopin either. But I think we can get closer to it than we are now.
1: Yeah. And we could probably be amazing. We'll probably never even get close to any sort of limit. And it's, well, it's, it's slightly disappointing that we won't get close, but it's like, oh man, we could do so much. And actually we've. We're fairly successful people. Um, We've done quite a lot, even the limitations and like the whatever mental barriers we've put up for ourselves, Cause I suspect it's mostly that it's not anything
0: else. Oh yeah. That's a great point. Doug, one other thing I want to mention is we've talked about our future business, which we have never mentioned on the podcast, potential future business. It is not a cat cafe or the other kind of cat cafe that Doug talked about. But this business might have open, open mic nights and maybe Doug could uh, play some of his uh, guitar, display some of his guitar skills at the Not a Cat
1: Cafe. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it's like part comedy, part guitar, but you don't know which part is is coming at you. So, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that.
0: So, so, Doug, I have something to say about your next one. I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit. Doug's next one is sleep and uh, it's only very recently that i've realized how important it is and last night i was i was laying in bed at 2 30 i'm like oh my god i have to set an alarm to tell doug that i'm not going to show up for the podcast recording today it was because my mind was so wired from my from the issue i had at my house i was working on it until actually probably t- uh 10 o'clock at night and then i couldn't fall asleep so i was up most of the night and like now i'm just a wreck After not having slept most of the night, but I've learned that even if I just lose an hour of sleep, I'm similarly very, very less well off for the day. Like I'm grouchy. My brain doesn't work. I don't retain the words I'm trying to learn in Spanish as well. Now that I've thought about it, it's much worse. And now that I've totally stolen your thunder, Doug, I'll shut up and let you say whatever you were going to say about (laughs) sleep. That's all right. Yeah. Sleep. It's really
1: good. You should probably sleep more. No matter how much you're getting, you should probably sleep more. And the thing is, um, well, I almost knocked the, my headphones off there. I was getting excited. I I definitely don't sleep enough now. I know I probably should sleep a little bit more. And for example, I, I have the tendency to sort of wake up in the middle of the night or a little bit too early, you know, sometimes. I'll wake up at say four 30 and I just happened to hit the end of a sleep cycle and I'm kind of awake. And today was a good example. I got up at about four 45. Now this, you know, we're in the summer right now and the sun comes up and there's a little bit of light. And I'm thinking, ah, you know what? I'll go ahead and get up. And today it worked out fine. Cause I, I worked out a little bit. I walked Georgie, my dog a little bit earlier and it was fine, but, I know I got a little bit less sleep than really what I needed. Sometimes in the past, I've thought, you know what? I can get by on six, five and a half, six hours of sleep. And I know some people can, and they do it for long periods of time. And when I was doing my side hustle and I I was still working full time, I would often wake up at four o'clock so I could do my side hustle work and then I would do my you know, day job during the day and then potentially work more in the evening. And I was sleeping uh, way less than I should have. I was drinking way too much coffee and caffeine in general and other uh, potential stimulants that just like would wire you. And I got by, but I know for a fact that I was just dumber, like my IQ was lower and that there's studies on that. I'm really good at referencing studies that I have no uh, information (laughs) on, but trust me, there's studies out there for like lack of sleep. And if you're at a sleep deficit, I think it's like, you know, 10, 15 points lower. And it just, it takes you longer to solve problems. It takes you longer to do things than if you were fresh. And I'm sure everyone can think of times where you were a little tired and It just took you longer to do a very simple thing. And you were maybe a little more stressed out just in general. So sleep more. It's just alarming, especially if you're going from like a sleep deficit and then all of a sudden you like catch up. Maybe you're sleeping, you know, over eight hours a night and you're just fresh. Like you'll probably find you feel better in general. Things won't stress you out. Like the, traffic, uh, issues that we have, you know, we go out there and we're like, ah, go faster. You know, you're sitting at stoplights or whatever. If you're, if you're well rested, you're like, yeah, I'm not in that big of a hurry. It's okay. No big deal. You know, you wave people in to pull out in front of you or whatever. So yeah, sleep more, however much you think you need, I would uh, speculate, you probably need a little bit more. Like it's it's very easy, especially if you're like, oh, I wanna get up and do more. I wanna be really productive. You're thinking, oh, it'll be better if I just like wake up earlier. <sighs> Treat, you know, tread lightly on that because it, it will wear you down over time. And like I said, I woke up early today and I happen to, I've realized that if I wake up early but I'm very alert and I hit the end of a sleep cycle, it's probably better if I get up then at 4.45 rather than, I probably could have fallen back asleep, but I would have been more groggy. I probably would have gotten up at maybe like 7, 7.30, and then I'd be a little bit more stressed out just in general because I have less time in the morning to walk Georgie and get ready for you know us to record. So yeah. Sleep. What, what do you what do you, what do you think? How,
0: how much sleep do you get these days? Yeah, I do not get enough. I probably I've not slept eight hours, and like I I never sleep eight hours. I know as you get older, you supposedly need less sleep, but I'm not a very good sleeper. I was I was flying out to Long Beach on this flight, and like 15 minutes after takeoff, I look over and the lady next to me is asleep, and I can the only way I can sleep on a plane is if I have consumed a substance like uh, those sleep drugs or whatever, which I've done. Once in my life, and that's what it was for—an overseas trip. ambient, I think that's what they call it. But uh, so I'm so jealous of people who are good at sleeping. Like uh, my neighbor just goes to sleep in his hammock in the backyard, and I could never do that, no matter how hard I tried. And maybe that's a problem on trying too hard. But one thing I want to build on what you said, Doug, is you talked a lot about the short-term consequences of lack of sleep, and I think one of the mysteries of sleep actually is why we do it because and maybe it's changed, I know there's that new book about on why we sleep, I think is the name, but if you just sit there and do nothing, your body repairs itself at about the same rate it does when we sleep. So what's the purpose? Why do we have to go unconscious? And there's two things I've read. One of them is scientists think that maybe that's the time your brain commits uh, memories from short-term to long-term. So if you don't sleep, you're not going to be is effective as a person because you're not remembering shit. And I think I've noticed this in my own life. If I have bad sleep, uh, well, I actually notice it during the day. Like I don't remember anything. I, I can't remember where I put my keys. And But but it's pretty important. And that's pretty. that would be a bad consequence of lack of sleep, not being able to commit the memories of your life to your brain because you're not giving your brain the opportunity to do it. But another recent one, which is way more scary, way, way more ominous, I think this came out a year ago, and I don't think this is proven or anything like that, but uh, this study was speculating that nighttime is when your brain cleans itself up. So I can't remember what the system in your brain is called, maybe the limbic system, but when it gets rid of um, bad shit like, like chemicals and stuff like this. And this person was saying maybe lack of sleep is one of the indicators, or indicators the wrong word, but maybe one of the things that lead to Alzheimer's. I mean, who wants that to mention a brain with holes in it as you grow older because you're not giving the chance to have your brain clean itself so and that may be proven wrong i think that research was early on but why take a chance just get your as mm-hmm. much sleep as you can and it's not cool to pride yourself i, I remember like growing up you'd read these people oh, i could get by at four hours of sleep like that is not a good brag like <laughs> Uh, that might, that skill might help you out at a couple times in your life, but you do not want to do that on a regular basis. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I go from maybe sprints of work where I am not getting as much sleep or, you know, one of the issues is like, I'll wake up at two 30 in the morning or whatever, and then I'll start worrying about whatever is stressing me out. It could be things that are actually not stressful. So I think like when I was looking at, uh, getting a new guitar, I was like researching a bunch. So that that's kind of what was in in my brain. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like thinking about something awesome, something fun. I'm I'm, like stressing out about the guitar and I've been listening to this uh, podcast called the Huberman lab. Have you checked out like one or two episodes? So, uh, it's a good show. It's basically a professor, a researcher, and it is like listening to a lecture and a researcher. So it's, it's fairly dry. It's very, it's extremely dense with information, but it is uh super interesting. And I can't remember the the next point that I was going to make with that, but uh, what was I talking about, man? <laughs> I, I'm not getting enough sleep. Oh, yeah. I, Oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. So Andrew Huberman was talking about how he just doesn't trust his brain at like two or three in the morning. Cause it's in a sleep, uh, sort of state, even though you're, you feel like you're wide awake, basically you're, you're sort of irrational and you're stressing about things in an irrational way. And when you wake up in the morning, you realize, Oh, I shouldn't stress about getting a new guitar. That's a fun problem to solve. No big deal. So now I know in In the middle of the night, if I wake up and I'm starting to stress, I just know, oh, you know what? You're an idiot at this time of day. So don't worry about it. In the morning, everything's going to be just fine. So I don't stress in the middle of the night anymore.
0: And there's a biological reason for that. I think it's cortisol. The hormone is the hormone that fights off stress. So during the day, you produce a lot of it and at night it drops. So something we wouldn't give a shit about at noon, we're terrified by at midnight, what I, and I wake up with the exact same thing, and, and what I've learned to do is just not allow my brain to even – the second that thought comes into my head, no brain, you're not allowed to think of that. I'm going to go back to thinking about something else to make myself go back to sleep, mm-hmm. and that's usually trying to not think about much of anything. So Yeah. Yep. So, we could all probably sleep a little bit better. All right. You Hope. have your last one. Yeah, here. hopefully no one's fallen asleep during our podcast, all this hot cat talk. <laughs> I don't see how you could, but okay. So my last one is build on your existing wins and what Doug and I are doing right now, I think is a really, really good example of this. So what Doug and I met, Doug didn't suggest that we open up an auto body repair shop or try to uh, compete with SpaceX. He said, let's do a podcast. He had experience in podcasts. I already have a presence on the internet with my blog and social media that, that we could leverage so we didn't have to build this thing from ground zero with zero people. I could go to my audience and my email list and say, hey, email list, you've been reading my blog all this time. Here's a podcast. So we're starting at, I don't know, probably months ahead of where the typical person at, maybe even a lot longer than that. It takes a while to build up an audience. We were, able to, to we we're able to leverage friends. We're able to leverage accounts. And I think I looked at that. YouTube video, and we had over like 2,000 views for that one, which is great. Jail helped us out a little bit with that, but again, we're leveraging our existing strengths. We're not trying to build on something new, and I tried to think about other examples of this, maybe uh, stuff like sports or hobbies. Uh, whenever you start something completely new, you're starting from, uh, again, the very base. Uh, I would say don't try to do that in life. if You can avoid it if you're a programmer and want to a change, Maybe try to learn a new programming language instead of trying to uh, take a whole new direction in whatever you want to do with your life or your work. Um, yeah, I had a better example of it, which I can't quite remember. Like Doug probably wouldn't want to open a cat cafe. He's not as fond as cats as he is of dogs. And uh, mm-hmm. he's never run a, a brick-and-mortar business, so that would not be in his wheelhouse. But if we do open one... And we've talked about it. It would be around some of our strengths, which uh, we'll talk about at a future episode if it comes to fruition. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's um,
1: an awesome point. I was going to say, I have a couple of examples. So I started my blog first and then I started a podcast, not this one, a different one. And then I started working on YouTube. And the the thing is, if I would have tried to do kind of, I'm tying a couple things together here, but like, if I would have tried to do all of those at one time, it would have been like way too many new things, but I layered on a new skill each time. And now we're like taking advantage of the fact that I, you know, worked on a podcast in the past. And by the time we started doing this, I had like over 200 episodes out. So it was kind of nice to like layer on top and it's each one of those was not too much of a stretch from what I was doing before. So yeah, great point. And I mean, to your point, we, we skipped ahead like many months, maybe a year or two. Like if we were starting from scratch, just because we both had followings that we could, um, you know, point our, our uh, sort of crew and our community towards um, this new project that we're working on. So it's been awesome.
0: Cool. Doug, we're at your, Last
1: one. All right. I snuck in two, so I won't harp on it too much. I'll try not to. So stress reduction. And stress reduction is uh, super important, especially if we're looking at happiness. And I think a lot of our topics do end up centering around happiness in some capacity. So I have two of them. One is removing negatives and generally inconveniences versus adding new positives. So I, I think I actually heard Pete, Mr. Money Mustache mentioned this on the Tim Ferriss podcast. That's the first place I heard it mentioned, I think. And Pete's point was, you're probably going to get more happiness. You're going to be a you know better person overall if you can remove some negatives versus like trying to add to it. So I think, I hope you'll have a couple or at least an example. And the thing that I noted very specifically for my life is when I stopped commuting and basically having a day job, I really didn't, that was a huge negative in my point or in my life. And I commuted to work, which we've talked about me not enjoying traffic very much. I was wearing clothes that I didn't enjoy wearing very much. So it was like, I mean, I lived in Georgia, it was hot and humid and I don't like hot weather and I was wearing like an undershirt and then a button up shirt and you had to get them dry cleaned. And then I was wearing pants. And if you don't like wearing pants, like a lot of people, if you're listening to this, you can't see Carl's wearing like Daisy Dukes or something, but the people the people on YouTube, I mean, you, you can see how short his shorts are <laughs> and he's doing the basic instinct, um, leg cross thing here. So we did, re- we did rehearse this and it's, it's turning out worse than I thought, actually, much more graphic than I thought. So and anyway, if you don't like wearing pants, you know, you can r- remove them like Carl, Carl has done. <laughs> and then, uh, but the point is when I stopped commuting, when I stopped wearing, you know, clothes that made me hot, which is such a small thing. It's like, grow the fuck up, dude. Like wear, <laughs> wear like business casual clothes. But I was like going through airports and stuff. Airports are they're, they're awful from a temperature perspective because you go from like ice cold in one spot to like super hot in another one. And it's just a, a little much if you're wearing, like like I said, the business casual stuff. So just removing those things again, which I imagine someone should have said, grow the fuck up, dude. Like that's what you got to do. Um, It just, it wasn't working that great for me. And those were fantastic to remove versus, right? So let's say, I had the ability to get a great job that paid more. And that seems to be like adding a positive, great salary, but I had to move to a city that I didn't enjoy and maybe I had to commute both ways and that would be super unhappy. So the whole point is if you can remove negatives, figure out what they are for you specifically, and then you'll probably extract more happiness from those
0: and be less stressed out. Huh? Yeah, that's a really good one, Tog. I wish I had more time to think about it. So having a, I I never, I don't remember that from the Tim Ferriss episode. I'm sure it was in there. I probably hadn't slept well the night before I listened to it, but yeah, I guess I've got two examples and one is people. Uh, Some people I realize, and not that they're necessarily bad, just they weren't adding value to my life. And that might sound like kind of an asshole statement, but if someone's uh, like, you ever meet people who are just constantly negative and, Mm They're depressing to be around, and their their mindset probably isn't healthy. I don't really want to 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 be around people like that now. That had a recent example of of someone like that. Uh, yeah, just uh, focusing on trauma and all the terrible things that this person had perceived had happened to. I mean, they probably were terrible. Like it. this person definitely had some trauma, but just living in in the past. Uh, Instead of looking forward to everything that's gone right and everything that that will go right, so removing negative people from um, life has has been good. Uh, some people are like, why am I still talking to this person? Well, just because I went to high school with them, it's not a valid reason. They have to be justifying their existence and and their value in my life. Uh, the other one I thought of is stupid decisions, and this one um, you actually know about because. Before I would debate any kind of any kind of financial t- decision. So if I was starving at the airport, like, like there's no way I'm paying $10 f- for the breeder or whatever. And Mindy and I were flying back and I don't know if I've ever done this before, but we bought a, a beer at the airport and it was expensive. I still kind of feel a little bit sour about it now, which is kind of, which is going to go against my point, but just not wasting brain power on decisions that don't matter if it's not gonna at this point and it's not i'm not saying this is for everyone if you're struggling you should not buy the ten dollar burrito you should have thought ahead and packed the sandwich and that's probably what i should have done as well but just spending time on meaningful things instead of wasting uh valuable brain power on stuff like this uh my in-laws will probably never listen to this podcast but if they do this will be funny their number one concern in life and i I don't know how much money they have, but I don't think it's insubstantial. They're completely obsessed with the cost of fuel. So they keep, they have a log in their car where they keep track of gas at every gas station they have ever been to, like for the past 15 years of their life. And they, when they go back to that area, like they'll list every gas station and find the cheapest one. I'm like, well, if you really care about this, just do Gas Buddy. That'll tell you. Like, oh, we, we we don't want to do that. That's our cell phone that we're paying for now, our cell phone data. But why are you worrying about saving a, a nickel on a gallon of gas? Fuck that. Like, do something that will make you happier, at least not that with your brain power. It seems like an infinite waste of time. If they spent the same amount of time trying to figure out how to make money or thinking about investments that they do, worrying about saving a nickel on a gallon of fuel, they'd probably be a lot better off either – and the happiness or the investments or perhaps both. So, yeah, don't mm-hmm. – and, and they're great people. I'm sorry to uh, – I've got my weird shit that I worry about too. They're that they're fine people. It just cracks me up that they're so obsessed about such an insignificant thing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. d- delete what you don't really have to worry about so you can focus on what really matters. I I think I hijack your thing. Some of that isn't all negative, but I think it is all negative if it's – even if the thing isn't negative, if it's taking time away from something positive, then it is negative, even if the thing itself isn't negative. Like gas prices aren't really a negative thing. It's not like having a harmful friend who encourages bad things. But if it takes time away from things that matter, it is a bad thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you brought up another point that I thought of during my, my morning walk today. I th- potentially, we'll save – we'll probably have another similar type episode, I think, because we have so many – different little tips that either we want to work on ourselves or that we've found to be effective, but yeah, just removing some of the decision points for trivial stuff, because it's really easy to, yeah, tr- try to save a few pennies on gas or really just waste brain power on little decisions where actually I have a good example. I was at uh, Sam's yesterday and I needed to get some sunscreen, you know, protect your skin and all that. I have like a million freckles and I need to make sure I wear sunscreen and I am pretty sure I could have got sunscreen cheaper somewhere else. But then I thought I don't want to go to another store and I don't want to wait in line. And I just want to get the sunscreen here. Even if it's maybe it's like $5 more expensive. That's probably better than me. Like going to another store and just like going somewhere else for no reason. So I just realized, Hey, I'm not even going to think about it anymore. Just going to get that sunscreen Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and I, and I, I wore it today. It's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's a, a small point and a grand point, too. You're not wasting your time. And that's kind of what all oh, life hacks are kind of about, right? Like uh, my first two were about how to have better relationships. But I want to spend my time with with people who I care about and care about me. I want to spend my time with the best possible people. Uh, s- um, sleeping better. We're going to be able to use our brain more effectively effectively multitasking, you're just wasting your time. If, if you do that emails. So that's Mm -hmm. what all this is on, on both a micro scale and a macro scale too. being able to, it's, it's the one thing you can't buy any more of. So you better learn how to use it as effective as possible. And as soon as possible too, so you can make the most of it. All right. And before we wrap it
1: up, I have one more on the stress reduction. I, I cheated and, and put two in this area if you do get stressed out, which I, I do occasionally, it sounds like you hit these points as well. If I'm just sort of freaking out and like maybe getting a little overwhelmed, I will just do a brain dump, maybe journal and whatever mechanism you wanna do, but you literally can just get like a piece of paper and just write out the things that you're worried about. Some people will form this into a list and then maybe put a little narrative. But usually once you get it out on paper, It's not so bad. And then you realize, oh, well, some of those points are actually stupid and I could just get rid of them. Or you realize, okay, well, we could solve this with um, a little more time and effort. Or maybe you realize... I don't want to um, you know, rewire the light fixture that had water pouring through it. I'm gonna hire an electrician because I don't have the time or the materials or whatever and someone else can solve that problem. You can outsource things. But yeah, the brain dump is so effective, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed. And I'm not one to, I deal with stress pretty well, I think just generally, I'm fairly calm. And I know some people will have a potentially anxiety attacks or panic attack type situations where they just freak out and I'm no psychologist. So work with your professionals or whatever. But if you're just mildly stressed out, maybe you feel like you have too much to do and you're not going to have time, you know, write, write it down. It's probably
0: not as bad as you think. Yeah, Doug, that's a, that's a really good one. I, I've done the same thing. And the two things I notice it does is just the fact of writing it down. I think you hinted at this a little bit, kind of gives your brain permission not to think about it anymore hey I've, I've gotten it out and I don't need to consume brain power and, and by the way a side tangent this works for like a to-do list too if I've got all this stuff I put it in my thing poof I don't have to use my brain to think about that it's in my phone and I can just refer back to that and I think it's probably not quite the same but a similar concept once you've got that issue down on paper or your keyboard screen it's you're kind of released from it a little bit and you feel better but then I think the other thing is just the act of writing it often causes you to think about it. And when you think about most situations, they're not as bad as they could be. So then you're at a better place because you've written it down and you forced your brain to, it's one thing to think about something when you're on for a when you're out for a walk, but when you're actually typing it, for me, at least it forces me to consider it at a deeper level than I would have otherwise. And I... I often feel better, you know. I do that same thing too. If I'm struggling with um, with other concepts too, um, and I really find it works like a financial thing. I'll start writing it out, maybe even turn it into a blog post. And I often find I'm at a different place by the time I'm done with it, and often unexpected than when I started. So, yeah that that's a that's a great one, Doug.
1: Thanks. Yeah, and I I think. I mean, th- these are really meaty and there's some things that we could work on <laughs> ourselves. And I, uh, yeah, I think if people have their own life hacks that they want to send in, you know, shoot us an email, uh, Carl at milehighfi.com or Doug at milehighfi.com, we'll, we'll get it. We share an inbox. And I think uh, that's all I have. Do you have any other sort of final points?
0: No, Doug, I'm going to build on what you just said. We recorded, this hasn't been released yet, but we recorded a listener, a mailbag, episode where we took questions from the users i think if uh if people leave these comments as either as a email as doug said or maybe as a comment on the youtube video we're we're on youtube as well maybe we could build an episode around that uh life hacks suggested from the readers or or other bloggers or other media folks if you're out there We'll, we'll give you a shout out but that'd be awesome um, Doug, I had another idea. I'm going to circle back to where we started, but I've got a proposition for you. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I'm half serious with this one. I think it would be, uh, it'd be YouTube gold. If I could contact the cat cafe, the actual cat cafe, not the other establishment <laughs> you were talking about, although that, that would be even more interesting. If I could contact the cat cafe and reserve their spot for 45 minutes, would you be willing to record a video, uh, uh, the podcast, what we're doing now from the cat cafe? We'll
1: we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Do do they have uh they have food there? Maybe they have some kind of tuna fish pr- or some
0: kind of <laughs> fancy feast. <laughs> Nine lives. Yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm down. Let's do it. Let's uh let's go down there. Dog one life hack is putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Get out of that comfort circle and get into the cat circle. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I I mean, that is, it expands what you think you can do. So I don't think I would, I mean, if cats just acted like dogs and didn't act like they wanted to hurt me,
0: I'd be more okay with it. I I can't wait till you're talking about like an index fund or some life hack and a cat jumps up on top of your head and like wants (laughs) to go to sleep up there. That'd that'd be pure gold. Oh man. It'll make it look like I have hair. What, what color if you could have any color catch up on top of your head to make it look like you wanted to have hair would it be like a, a persian with your luck it'd be one of those like sphinx hairless cats you ever see those or, they're creepy as hell
1: oh yeah like a mr uh is it mr bigglesworth yeah from, uh, austin
0: powers yeah 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 so what what cat would you want to have on top of your head
1: Ooh. Yeah, I think I, you know what I don't know names of a lot of cats, but yeah, if I had to choose, I probably would go with a Mister Bigglesworth type uh, hairless situation. It would feel more natural.
0: I mean, uh, on, on my head, and it would probably look it would look more natural. This is so. Uh, <laughs> this is going. What's going on in my mind's eye? I do not wish on anyone right now. It's going sideways. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think we should stop this. Uh, but maybe make a T-shirt out of it too, like you with a cat on top of your head. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna put my photo skill. Or maybe it'll just be a photo after we go to the cat cafe. I don't want to have to Photoshop it. I'll it'll be some, the real deal. Yeah. I'll put some fancy feast on top of your head. <laughs> yeah. I think we can
1: get the remote studio out. We can go to different cat cafes or other, uh, yeah,
0: other establishments. <laughs> <laughs> one, one cat cafe. I'm not, I'm not going to ask too much of you, Doug.
1: All right. Amazing. Amazing. How we always uh, digress to a point where we're like, oh man, we just got to end this thing. And on that
0: note, Let's end this thing. Yeah. Fancy feast. We're open to sponsorships, but thank you. All right. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye.